0: Hello and welcome to Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. This is the podcast where I sit down with an extraordinary person and they share their story with me. So they might have overcome some kind of adversity or they may still be on their journey with stories that will make you laugh, cry and hopefully feel a little bit inspired. I am really excited about the person that's joining me today on the podcast. It's somebody with the courage to be exactly who he wants to be no matter who understands. Jamie Campbell is a fashion designer and a drag queen whose story directly inspired one of the most popular musicals of recent years. In 2011, Jamie was the subject of the BBC3 documentary Jamie, Drag Queen at 16. It makes me feel emotional saying it because I remember watching it and it actually made me cry. This was a documentary where the cameras followed Jamie on his journey to become the drag queen he's always wanted to be. His story hit the stage as an all-singing, all-dancing musical Everybody's Talking About Jamie in 2017 in Sheffield and moved to London's West End shortly after. Having built such a huge fan base, the brand new film adaption of the musical has just been released on Amazon Prime Video with an all-star cast. With a story of overcoming adversity and being your fabulous true self, I am completely honoured, if not a little bit fangirl, to have him join me today. Hello, Jamie.
1: Oh, hi, Katie. Oh my God, it's such an honour. Thank you for having me. I love you so
0: much. Ah, the feeling is mutual. I've never wanted to cry in an intro. Um, I think you represent so much to all of us and your appeal is really wide. I just think you're an amazing guy. I mean, before I go into everything I want to say to you, let's start with the film because it drops today. Um, So huge congratulations. You must be feeling pretty proud of yourself i guess
1: yeah yeah of course i'm like on cloud nine and it's been such a journey getting to this point and it was supposed to be released last year and it just kept getting pushed back and pushed back but now i'm just so excited for the world to see it
0: yeah i mean i was gonna say it's a whirlwind but i don't know is it a whirlwind because actually it's been quite a long time and and you've in various stages done lots of different things with the story
1: Mm -hmm. well yeah it has still been a whirlwind but a long whirlwind um but it has all been like a progression because none of this started so big it all started small and then it just slowly snowballed and snowballed and snowballed and just kept on going to this like huge thing that we're at today so
0: yeah it was amazing that I mean I'm talking from somebody that's seen the documentary and re-watched it a couple of times like on my laptop in bed Um, and some people listening to this might not yet have seen your original documentary I think why I loved it so much is seeing that struggle of being somebody who you can't be and that that struggle with identity and that judgment in society I think a lot of us have felt that and felt trapped from it and I I think we kind of empathized with you and we felt like we knew you even though we didn't can you explain about that that beginning story and your journey to people that haven't watched it
1: um yeah so basically I grew up in the northeast of England um in a little town called Bishop Auckland and yeah i was always bullied from being very young i was always very flamboyant um most people's first memory of me is running around in a pair of fairy wings and a tutu (laughs) um but i just couldn't hide it like i wasn't much of an actor really so um i just sort of was who i was um and my mum was always there to support me through it all so i'm so lucky that i had the support from my mum um So yeah, she always encouraged me to just be myself. And so I did, because I was like, there's no point pretending, like people know. So obviously a lot of stuff came with that, with the bullying and people always having a go. Um, But yeah, that was just what it was. I didn't really know any different. Um, Eventually, like when I got to doing the documentary, um, I think the reason, it's so raw is because we just like gave them everything really like we just we were so comfortable with the team who made it um so it was jenny popperwell and laura ellings and we're a very small crew um and they came and the first thing they said when making the documentary was we don't want to make you out to be some comedy character we don't want to humiliate you or anything we want to show a really true honest representation of what's going on and that really put us at ease because mum especially was very nervous about being in front of the cameras and stuff because yeah. you know what it's like like when you've got a camera in your face it's not the most natural thing but they just sort of hid in the background really and were really, really respectful and yeah, I think that's what comes across on film because they felt like friends and we went on the journey with them as well
0: Yeah, it felt really intimate and it didn't feel like you it wasn't like reality telly it mm-hmm. didn't feel staged it felt like we saw the actuality kind of Unfolding. I feel like it's a big decision because up until that point, if all you'd had was bullying and negative reactions, was it a hard decision to expose yourself in that way? Because you didn't know. I mean, the outcome has been amazing, but you had no guarantee that that is how people were going to um, perceive or portray you.
1: Yeah. And quite frankly, we were bracing ourselves for a lot worse because um, mm-hmm. it was more of a surprise the positive reaction that came from it. Um, even like i don't know if the listeners have seen but basically i went to prom in drag <laughs> when i was 16 and that's sort of where it yeah, came from um and but turning up to prom we just didn't think i was going to get in like we had all of the cameras set up like for like really nice moody shots coming out um and then when all of that happened it was just like what is going on like we just didn't expect it um and the reaction from the public as well was so surreal um because you know what people are like online and we Mm -hmm. just obviously I did get like bits of hit, but it was so far outweighed by people sending nice positive things and like I think you said earlier it's yeah my story is a little bit niche like wanting to go to prom and be a drag queen and stuff but it's not about that it's just about having a, that dream that thing you want to do and not letting anyone stop you and just go in for it and I do think that that's what people connect to
0: yeah I think we love that you were victorious and we all want to take comfort in that that actually good will prevail um and I think it's worth mentioning that your documentary was 2011 so it was a very different world you know I'm talking to you now in 2021 and, and maybe it wouldn't be such a big thing in 2021 but like you said you were from a regional county. I wondered, like, really early years in childhood, you know, you talked there at the start about wearing fairy rings and stuff like that. Was there an age you can pinpoint where you started to become inspired and in wearing drag, or was it not really a, a moment like that?
1: The actual first time I actually did drag in a public space was when I was up in year four. And um, we were doing a school assembly on Henry VIII and each of the wives had like a different story on stage. And I ended up being Anne of Cleves. Um, and so my teaching assistant sort of dressed me up in her old bridesmaids dress and these proper like ratty brown extensions. And so, I mean, I was always like quite open when I was younger and especially primary school. I mean, they were horrible. They used to push me in the girls' toilets and be like, you're a girl, you're a girl. And, because I don't think they really knew what gay was then. So it was the girl that I got in primary school. And then it was that move into secondary school. That's when it it all sort of changed a bit more. And then I went a bit more inward. And yeah, I came out at, um, in year nine. So when I was about 14. Oh, wow. um, okay. That just happened in English class. Because um, we were having a discussion about gay people and everyone was like chiming in and then I just stood up and was like everybody just needs to realize that some people are gay and that's okay and then everyone was like so are you saying you're gay then Jamie and then I was like no and sat down and then I got back up and was like well yes yes I am (laughs) Um, and from that moment on it was sort of a bit easier like the the bullying didn't stop, but mm-hmm. they would call me names and I'd be like, Well, yeah, you're just stating facts. Like, you're not, like, that's not an insult. Come up with something more clever. Do you know what I mean? So you
0: took the pat, you took ownership.
1: Yeah, because I've yeah. never wanted to be a victim. Um bullies, they want you to feel like that. And that was mm-hmm. what my mother always said. It was like, they want you to feel like that. So don't let them. Even if you feel it, don't let them see it. Um mm-hmm. So I tried to never let them see it. And I know it's easier said than done, and it's easier for some people than others, but I do always try and encourage other people who are going through things like that to try and do that. I know we shouldn't have to put on faces and pretend things, but... Yeah, don't let the bullies see that happening. And I still don't hold anything against the bullies because I know bullies aren't doing it because they're actually horrible people. They're doing it because they've got deep issues and they've gone through things themselves, and that's why they're putting it out there. It doesn't excuse it, but I know that every bully out there is doing it for a reason. So I always Someone try to remember that. To that.
0: Yeah, they said to me, "Hurt people, hurt people," mm-hmm. and I was like, "It's so true because that has that hate or that darkness has to come." from their own dark or hateful experience, hateful life, you know. I actually read somewhere that also on your way home from school it was adults as well that would shout at you.
1: Yeah, they'd be like a man and he had, like, this little kid, like, this little toddler, and he'd be like, shout gay boy, shout, and stuff, like, at him. With like, his kid. this kid. And this kid was like, eh, like, not knowing what he's doing, but, like, his dad's telling him to do something, so... It's child abuse, he was Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard, because it's like, what is that kid going through? Like, what if he, they are gay or they've got a friend who's... like are they going to be able to open up about it like you know we we think we're getting so far and we are but it's not everywhere it's not like those tiny little villages and stuff and this is just in our country like other countries oh god (laughs) and bringing it back to the film that's why i'm glad that this film is going out and going on amazon prime because it's going to i think 240 countries around the world and that's the most exciting thing for me because it's like I just think about not even just the gays, but like anybody, but like especially like those young little gays in those tiny little villages in like mm. anywhere, like some remote country somewhere, and then like watching it on the laptop with the earphones in. Like I, I hope they can sort of get
0: from it. Um, Because that is the thing, really. We're talking about your life pre the musical, pre the documentary, growing up in County Durham, coming out as gay, being in drag in County Durham. Has County Durham changed now compared to like Jamie's childhood?
1: I would say so. Yeah. But even like back then, it was like there was like the pockets of people that weren't bad. Like one of my favourite memories to do with it all was it was the day after. And I was just walking down the street and then this bloke in a white van pulled up and I was like, oh God, here we go. And he like shouts, oi, were you that lad who was on the telly last night? And I was like, um, yeah. And he's like, good on you, son. Well done for doing it. And I was just like, oh, that was so sweet. Because I was like, yeah, because it's not everyone's bad. And I think as well, like I can judge people thinking that they are going to, judge me, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then I think that's just as bad because I think that was the whole scenario with prom as well. Like, I thought everyone was going to be like, hate me and not let me in and not want me to be there. But really, like, the the year came around and said, if you don't let Jamie in, we're not going in. So I felt like... I'd judge, prejudge them, thinking they were going to judge me, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and I felt like in the documentary. I mean, it was so long ago. Like we did see you scared and anxious, that you were going for wig fittings, trying on makeup, (laughs) and you were totally you know a young boy you were a different boy do you think there's anything to be said in like drag almost could be a mask for you when you were coping with difficult times in your life even though drag makes you stand out more I know it's a bit of a contradiction but Mm -hmm.
1: oh no drag is a full-on contradiction like that's like what it is like it is a mask and it's a persona and you do get that confidence like Fifi True has done things and can say things that I would never dream of as Jamie. Like, and I do see them as two separate people. Like, I see Fifi as my sister. Um What's your drag
0: name, is Yeah, Fifi yeah. true
1: is my drag persona, and she's a monster, honestly. Um, but I think that's what drag is. It's that like whole release and that confidence, and you just let things out um but yeah you're expressing yourself but drag isn't real like it's completely artificial um it is fake and I went through a long time of getting lost in the character so Mm -hmm. I only ever felt beautiful and amazing as Fifi because she was the one that got all the attention the one everyone gagged over and yeah so I lost a lot of my confidence as Jamie um and give it all to her and then it's been, it's been a journey, you know, it's been 10 years mm. that I've been working on it. Um, and then I've, like, slowly got to realising that Jamie is the person behind it all. So everything that Fifi is, Jamie is, and more. So that's sort of where I am now. Um, so Fifi's actually sort of a little bit on the back burner at the moment. Um oh, OK. Have you laid her of, to
0: rest? Is well, she... she will
1: definitely be back, bigger and badder than ever. Um, but that's why I'm just trying to focus on myself as Jamie. Mm. Um, but yeah
0: we should all grow we should all evolve mm-hmm. then and we should all feel like we have the right to do that
1: yeah but she'll always be there and I recommend anybody doing drag like I think everybody's seen a lot of people seem to think that drag is just a man dressing as a woman and it's not anybody can mm. do drag you should do drag everyone should because yeah we're not playing real women at the end of the day a drag doesn't even have to be a woman there's like drag kings and everything drag is just a complete rejection of all gender and it's like taking everything throwing it in a pot spinning it around throw some glitter on it and chuck it on like it's even like (laughs) i was watching love island and um the other week they did um like a sort of like they got dressed up challenge um where they had to like lap dance each other kind of thing and like they were like dressed up as like pilots and stuff and they were like we did things that we never thought we would do. Like, it didn't feel like we were really being us, but it's because they had that confidence of being dressed up as something mm. else. and um, Yeah, it's like being a kid and putting on like a superhero cloak and you are that superhero. Um, like yeah it's just clothes at the end of the day but clothes do hold so much power oh yeah i'd recommend exploring it as much as possible to where listening. did your
0: name come from then your your drag name how did you think of that
1: uh fifi the true so that's just basically about being true to yourself mm. um and then fifi was the campus most ridiculous name i could think of at the time
0: <laughs> I Fibi. do love that. <laughs>
1: there's a lot happening these days
0: So we should talk about the musical, because I've Mm. I've been to see it three times, um, so I'm a true fan. (laughs) How did it logistically come about? Did you just randomly get a phone call or an email one day?
1: Yeah, this whole thing's been random. So the documentary came out. And then it was about a year later and I got a call from the director being like, Oh, these people want to make a musical about you. Is that okay? And me were of course like, Yeah, yeah, okay. But we had no idea what it was gonna be. We thought it was gonna be like a community center kind of production, like something really small, which was still gonna be amazing. We were like, Oh, it'd be nice to go and see. Um and then years went by and we didn't hear anything. So we were like, Oh well, they must have like like just left it kind of thing. And then, yeah, we got a call saying, oh, Sheffield theatres are putting on everybody's talking about Jamie, Do you, are you coming? And we're like, yes, I got to we're coming. Um, so we turned up and saw it at the Crucible Theatre. And um, as soon as we saw it, we knew it was something special. We were quite, I don't know, naive going into it. Like we didn't know what to expect. We decided not to read the script because we just wanted to go in blind. And yeah, it was like being on an emotional roller coaster, and ups and downs and ups and downs. And then as soon as it finished, like that feeling of the audience jumping to the feet, honestly, it felt like the roof had been blown off and they brought us down on stage and we were crying and like we had like John and Josie who were playing us on stage and it was such a surreal, special moment because it's like seeing things that you've actually done in real life, but through the eyes of somebody else, but on stage with actors yeah. playing you. it It's You're so nice weird, story. it's like out of body experience kind of thing. It only had a three week run and yeah, it sold out with word of mouth and, yeah, there was such a big buzz about it in Sheffield. And yeah, and then we got the call to go to the West End um, from Nika Burns, who is such an inspirational woman. She runs um, NYMAX Theatres, so she is this head woman in charge of, in this like really male-dominated industry. And she's so respectful and she's like been through it all. And she took the chance and brought it to the West End. And so we opened in February 2017 in Sheffield and then it was November but it was in London. It's right. never
0: stopped, has it? And,
1: and literally, it's been one thing after another. It was like, seeing that, everybody's talking about Jamie Gubb above on Shaftesbury Avenue. Like, I walked back and forth about 50 times like when, I, when that first day when I saw it go up. On press night in London, I was sat in front of Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> I had this tiny little skirt on and like I bent over and then mum was like, Jamie, you're showing your ass to Andrew Lloyd Webber. And I was like, oh
0: my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but do you know when you say about it selling out word of mouth, like what I take from that is like, yes, people can be real shits sometimes. And all the bullying you've been through, it, it it's like demoralizing and depressing to think of society like that but when shows like this sell out through word of mouth it fills me with hope that actually people care people mm. want to do the right thing and mm. loads of people feel more different than we realize mm. and, and, and feel more excluded from society than we realize because otherwise why would you have this response and this success yeah. like I don't see it as just a story about a drag queen I feel like it's a story about homophobia and um, bullying family issues And I think that's why it's been so popular. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, yeah, completely. I think at the end of the day, I think, yeah, we all might have this perception that everybody's horrible, but I think generally most people are all right. And like you say, we are all different. Like Yeah, it's not just about drag. Like We've all got that thing that we want to do. And yeah, just go out and do it. If I can do one thing when I'm 16 and end up with a West End musical, (laughs) international and the film, it's just mind-blowing from one thing it's like how johnny described it all johnny's the director of the musical was it's like i dropped a pebble in and the whole ocean just sort of rippled and it just kept Mm. on rippling and like it got to like the ocean and like this big massive thing and that's sort of like how i see it. and that's all, all of us all of us can take little pebbles and drop them in here and there every now and again and like send off ripples
0: that's such a beautiful analogy because when we feel hopeless and and we feel trapped we feel like what's the point what difference can i make how can i change my life and this is my life i'm stuck and you know it actually shows you just need to have the courage to drop that first little fragment mm-hmm. you know and, and the self-belief which, which is hard if people are are shaming you and pushing you down, but was there ever a moment of revealing yourself to your mum? And I'm actually we haven't really talked about her properly. Um, she sounds like quite an amazing woman, or was she just this constant presence that always knew who you were?
1: I mean, yeah, she always knew. I mean, I did come out at some point, but I think it was all very, like, oh, I'm gay. And she was like, well, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Like, <laughs> hey, who are you trying to kid? And I think that's actually a reaction that a lot of gay people get when they come out, i found, is the parents, like, well, yeah, we know. <laughs> and it's this big thing that you built up. Um, but no, my mother is such an amazing, inspirational woman. Um, and she... she because she's always been there for me 110% and she's a fierce lioness and she defended me like, yeah nobody like she tore people apart who like even tried like lots of things I don't even know but like <laughs>
0: So was it always like you and your mum or mm-hmm. was your dad ever in or out of your life at all?
1: Um, So my mum and dad got divorced when I was in year two so um, how old was you then about seven ish or something Yeah
0: seven six or seven yeah
1: Yeah and I did have like a loose relationship with my dad like I would see him on like Sundays but then yeah we drifted apart completely after the documentary and we've still not spoken since then Um,
0: Is that because of the content of the doc?
1: It was more the drag thing I don't think he understood the drag thing and um, he wasn't necessarily against me being gay although I don't think it's what he wanted but It was, yeah, especially the drag thing he didn't understand. And then with the documentary coming out. But yeah, basically, we haven't spoken since I was 16. And I don't know if he knows about any of this. um, But we live in a small town where everyone talks. So I don't know if he does, but I've not heard from him. Um, Mm.
0: This isn't directed at your dad. This is separately um because I'm just thinking about friends that I have that are not necessarily even drag but gay and sometimes some of the biggest bullies or the people that are really vocal particularly in big crowds are those that are scared of exploring that side themselves you know that you know that saying of he who doth protest too much mm-hmm. and like even for me when I found I've had like trolling online it actually comes from people that are jealous of me being comfortable and confident because they wish they could be that because Mm. they hate themselves you know and and I sometimes think that when when somebody's gay the person that has the biggest issue with it comes from a really repressed family where they just couldn't explore that side of themselves do you think that's a fair comment
1: um yes um yeah there's lots of things under layers and stuff um Mm. and I mean like I I get it as well like I know like me and you we seem like these people who are so completely positive and like have managed to like overcome things and stuff but it's not that all the time is it like we are like even the most confident and self-assured people like suffer like I suffer from anxiety and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and feelings of not being good enough and looking at things and like oh like why don't I look like that why can't I do that like oh Mm -hmm. I'm not this I'm not that and then I'm like well I just got to bring it back and just be like well I'm not doing that I'm um, this here and yeah it, it's, it's a, a good journey. skill to have though
0: you need to bring yourself yeah. back it's good that you can do that and sometimes you
1: know? it happens quicker than others <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, you know like I just think it's important to be like yeah you can be all positive and stuff like that but it's okay to feel a bit crap at times as well like mm. and but just don't sit in it forever because it's not constructive to anybody most of all yourself.
0: Um, Yeah. Well, let's focus on your successes. And like we said at the start, um, everybody's talking about Jamie, the film out today on Amazon Prime. Mm. Um, It's got an amazing cast, Mm. Sharon Horgan, Richard E. Grant, Mm. Sarah Lancashire, newcomer Max Harwood, who's playing you. Mm. amazing actors you know really well-known actors in your life story were you involved a bit going from stage to screen how much involvement have you had in this film
1: um very little to be fair um creative decisions are nothing to do with me um Mm -hmm. because yeah the writers don't want to be stuck with the mindset of what would jamie campbell do like it's jamie new in the films and stuff so they sort of do all of that being on set for the first time was the more surreal thing like I knew it was going to be a big deal because it's it started off it was going to be quite an independent thing with Warp Films who did like This Is England and Four Lions and stuff like that and Dead Man's Shoes which I'd like studied in film studies at college so it was like mad that they were doing it and then it like grew bigger and bigger and bigger and then we got on set and it was humongous like I could, I could not believe what I was seeing and there was like sets upon sets upon sets upon sets with like hundreds and hundreds of people running around and I was just like,
0: what is going on here? Did you take your mum with you? Yeah,
1: Yeah, and that's what's been amazing about this whole thing. It's always been my mum and my grandma, actually, as well. We always make sure my grandma's there um, throughout this whole thing. So I think it's sort of like, you know, like, when, like, the girls of Little Mix are like, oh, it's so nice to have gone on this journey with my girls by my side. It's like, I feel like that with my mum. Like, I've managed to go through all of this with my mum by my side. So I'm so very lucky. (laughs) Um, And there's this one moment, and it's what gets the most tears out of me all of the time. And I think it's so important. Um, And so it's different from the stage show. So with Loco Chanel in the stage show, she sort of has a bit of a backstory, but you don't know too much about her. Whereas in the film, there's like a lot more layers and you understand like where it came from. And there's moments where like it goes back and like through history and it sort of shows us where we've come from. and yeah it's just really important like the things that my community have gone through and i feel so lucky and i thank my gay ancestors lgbtq ancestors who have fought for me to be able to sit here today and there's a moment in the film where jamie goes into the drag shop and then he comes out and he's a bit nervous and she's like, I can't do this, Pretty. Like, Pretty, who's the friend? And she's like, people actually died. Like, I just want to put on a dress and be a little bit famous and have a fun. And then Pretty says, well, what did you think they died for? and that really hits me every time because it was yeah. like they died so i could have the freedom to do those things that they couldn't do and i sort of feel like i'm a bit of a torchbearer at the moment like holding on to this moment in time which i think this film is like a time capsule almost of where we are now and hopefully we will look back in 10 20 30 years from now and yeah it'll be a much different place again um no I'm so so lucky um, to have grown up in the time that I have like I have experienced bullying and I've like been like beat up a couple times but I've not like had to fear for my life like every single day like they had to. It's still a
0: big thing what you've been through like you really like just rolled off the tongue oh I've been beaten up (laughs) a couple of times like no I don't accept that that Mm. shouldn't be part of your normal life like why should you have to accept being treated like that Mm -hmm. um and actually it hurts me to hear you say it like you're lucky You know, no one should be physically attacked for being themselves. Um, I wanted to talk to you actually about, so thinking of shows like RuPaul's Drag Race, um, it is making drag more mainstream. You know, even things like my kids uh, watched RuPaul's Drag Race, Mm -hmm. and that opens up conversations that we probably wouldn't have had at age seven. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's really positive. Do you think that it's sort of changing the future of drag and, you know, maybe it's more mainstream than it ever has been before because of shows like that?
1: Oh yeah, like drag is mainstream now and drag never was. Like drag always was this like underground alternative thing and now the masses love and appreciate it and we are so lucky to have lived in the world where RuPaul has come and made they show such a big, massive success and opened so many people's eyes up to it all. Like, I mean, I think I saw it was season two, back when it was season two, when it first came out, it was the first time I saw it. And I was just like, what? But it's the queens on it as well. Like RuPaul is amazing for giving them the platform, but it's the girls who have gone on there and shown their talents. and. Their vulnerability um, that has made it what it is, and it just keeps on going. Like I can't believe how big it's got. It used to be like, oh my god, have you seen drag race? And people would be like, what? What's that? And like now, it's the first thing anybody says when they hear you're a drag queen. It's like, mm-hmm. ah, you've seen drag queens. But like with it, with anything that goes uh, mainstream, it's sort of like it does like filter it down a little bit. And I think the danger with RuPaul's Drag Race being as big as it is is that people think that's just what drag is. Mm. And especially nowadays with the girls going on and they spend thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds on their Like they get out loans before they go on like, and they spend like 20,000 pounds on their looks for it. And it's like, that's not a true representation of real drag. Like real Mm. drag, to be honest, is not that profitable. Like you get your little money from your gig and you just have to do as many as possible. But there's not that many gigs out there and there's a lot of girls as well. So it's actually most people can and then you've got to get all your wigs all your makeup all your nails all your tights all your heels everything out of it because
0: I thought there might be people listening now that want to get started and, and actually they don't know where to start and drag and I was wondering you know what would you say to those people but then also separately there might be parents listening who don't know how to support their child in the way you were supported by your mum so I wondered those two different angles what advice you had from your own life experience
1: um well you can do it on the cheap you definitely can but even doing it on the cheap is there's still a lot of cheap stuff to get so you can be crafty and creative and that's part of the beauty of it to be honest and like that's why I love the queens who are more crafty and they have to like make it work kind of thing so like just get a sewing machine I mean if you can't get a sewing machine glue gun like you can get glue gun for like a tenner or something and just like craft and craft and craft and use with what you've got. Like I love when I see people doing like bin bag dresses and stuff like that. Yeah. Like that's the most creative thing I think. Um it's like turning trash into treasure. Like that's what drag's about. It's about presenting it as something like yeah, trash. So literal trash. Like I've gone out wearing stuff I've literally found on the street and like that's cool. But, Presenting it like you're wearing like high fashion couture, darling. Right? Confidence, um, yeah. but it's it's that whole fantasy. Um and then yeah, to parents who don't know how to support their kids, just sort of speak to them and find out what it is that they want to do. And if you don't understand something, ask questions. And I know it can like be really confusing nowadays because there's a lot of people who like now identify as non-binary and stuff like that, and people find it really hard to get their head around that. Um, but I think it's just about respect at the end of the day. And if someone tells you they want to record something, try your best to. And I think people get scared about saying the wrong thing all the time. And yeah, there are people, especially online, who will kick off at anyone for the slightest little slip up. But I think the majority of people, as long as you're trying and you make the effort, right, then they're happy with that do you know what I mean like we can't expect Mm. everybody to know our pronouns and stuff straight away
0: Um, I love that because we don't want to sort of like push people out and punish people mm -hmm. we want to take them along with us and improve them and educate them and make it open like you said mistakes happen but make it open so that people can get better and understand yeah Um, it's interesting what you were talking about about being a crafty queen um, (laughs) because I know actually you now work in the world of fashion Um, so tell us a little bit about what you're up to in that world and what's your plans for the future in fashion and your projects?
1: Yeah. Well, I've always loved fashion and clothing and style and I've always made my own clothes and stuff. And throughout all of this, it was like, right, I've had all of these amazing opportunities. What is it I want to do with it? And with my drag sort of taking a back burner, I was like, well, it's fashion, obviously. Like, I've always dreamed of having a fashion brand, but I just know it's a very brutal industry as well. Um, So I decided to just launch my own brand during lockdown, actually. Um, And me and my mum and grandma, we made six outfits. The original orders were all completely made by hand by us in the living room. Um, but they're all numbered, so those are very lucky few people who got the original ones. Hopefully if I become a really massive world famous designer, those are the highest resale value. <laughs> yeah,
0: I feel like you absolutely will because everything you touch turns oh, to gold. Oh god, like. well
1: I hope so, but I mean it's just hard. So like I have I am working at the moment. I'm but if you can go on Instagram and follow me at Jamie Campbell, um, that's Campbell. <laughs>
0: um,
1: <laughs> um, then you'll yeah find all my stuff on there. Um, it, we will get there eventually, but it's just it, it's a bit of a process. But it's so rewarding. I love it so much. So. Oh I
0: know you're going to be successful because I just feel like everything you do you work really hard um and everything you do you you believe in yourself and and I think that's when we find our our success. I feel like for me the moral of your story is that is to be who you want to be and being you is okay. And I wondered, because it was very much a story that you grew and evolved on and we we watched it sort of pan out. It wasn't like you came to the story with all the answers. I wondered if you'd learned lots about yourself in this whole process from documentary to musical, now to film. Have you learned about who you want to be and, and who you are?
1: I think I've learned like you never truly know in the end like because we are constantly ever evolving and you can have an idea of how you want to be or where you want to be or what you want to do but the reality is it always just happens really so just go along with the journey and yeah just go with it but just keep moving forward at the end of the day keep going you can go at different speeds but like just enjoy it and watch as your life develops because you might end up somewhere that you completely didn't expect like I know at the start Mm -hmm. of all of this I didn't expect we sat here talking to you Katie Piper (laughs) with (laughs) (laughs) my film having just come out like you know it's, it's crazy so you never know what can happen so just keep going you never know what's around the corner
0: (laughs) absolutely and you're right you don't know who you're going to end up connecting with and like without sounding too like cheesy you never know who you're inspiring because when I first ever went to see your musical I was in a difficult place nobody really knew that and I cried watching it and at the end I was like I'm gonna shed all this shit and I'm just gonna move forward now and it was like a closure you know when it's like a defining moment and it was like a closure thing for me and 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 it was like we'd never met I mean still now we haven't met we're on Mm -hmm. zoom together right but it's like your story impacts you and that goes back to what you said about the pebble you know you threw it out there you've impacted my life we've connected with each other I think you're such an advocate for being the real you and your true self and the impact you've made on so many people and especially children and teenagers. You know, as I told you at the start of the podcast, my daughter's learning all the songs from the musical for her singing classes. So we've been able to talk about you and it it's really helped her. Like you're such a good role model. To think that story started from a place of shame and not knowing if you could be that to now actually being someone as parents, you know, we actively tell our children about you. Um... And it's entertaining. Yeah. Like, and, you know, that, there's a lovely fun side to it as well, isn't there? It's yeah, not...
1: it's not all preachy. Right? It, no. it, at the end of the day, they said when they were making it, they wanted it to be an entertaining show at the end of the day. Like, that's the uh-huh. main aim with producing something. And all of the other messages are just bonuses at the end of the day. Um, and, you know, it is really nice hearing stories like this from you. Yeah. And I still find it strange. But, um,
0: <laughs> it's surreal, but right,
1: yeah, yeah, it is. Um
0: Yeah, no, you're an incredible guy. And I I really hope that you never stop telling this story in all of its forms. And I'm personally really excited and looking forward to seeing what the real Jamie does next because you are like the podcast says an extraordinary person so thank you thank you for everything you do <laughs> thank
1: you and you too okay honestly your story has really inspired me as well over the years like i couldn't believe what you've been through and just to see you such this powerful woman and how much change you've made in the world for so many people it's amazing to see so thank you for doing you <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. If you haven't already, please follow where you get your podcasts. Also, if you enjoyed this, please help us spread the word. Rate and review the show or share on your socials.